Man, it's great to, uh, I took this public sp speaking class this week, actually, um, which makes this even worse. And uh, they said the first three words are the most important words. And my first three words were, you're welcome, or no, welcome, everyone, um, which I would have gotten killed for in the class. So, um, again, I am, uh, my name is Kurt. I am an elder here at the bridge. I'm not the normal teaching pastor, so if this is your first time, I invite you guys to come back next week as well to hear uh, the ordinary teaching pastor. Uh, he's he's excellent, uh, but we're uh, I'm excited to be I'm excited to teach today. Um, it's not a normal thing. We uh, sometimes we have guys from the con congregation that that teach on Sundays, and um, so I'm a little nervous, um, but I'm really excited because I've been studying something that I, I'm excited to talk to you guys about. Um, last week we heard Dave Tenhave uh, talk about the. The contradiction between the flesh and the spirit. And he ended that sermon by saying um, in the text, you know, what can save me from this flesh? And it's, uh, that's what I'm going to talk, talk about today. It's the body and blood of Christ. Um, so the body and blood of Christ. We, we'll jam with the music as loud as, we, as long as we can. Um, it'll, it'll actually make it better. Uh, okay, perfect. Um, so the body and blood of Christ, you also hear it called communion or Eucharist or the Lord's Supper. Um, I've been studying this a lot, and there's a lot, a lot to it. Um, it it's really can't be done well in one sermon. Um, but uh, I'm ready to focus today um, on specific parts of it, and, and I'm happy to talk to you guys afterwards if you have any other questions I've studied a lot, so I'm happy to talk about any other kind of questions you have about it in relation to form and function. But I, what I really want to focus on today um, is what it, what is it? I mean, it's pretty, I mean, I think we know it's the body and blood of Christ, but really what is it? What does it mean? What's the significance of that? Um, <clears throat> it's something that we take, uh, we take communion weekly here, so it's something that we value. Um, and we know it's important, but we don't, you know, sometimes it, it can become rote, uh, it can become just something that we do, and we'd never want it to be that. And so we'll focus today on, um, on how, sh how should we feel, um, what does it mean, what should we think about. And so what I've found, and I hope what you'll find, is that really the Lord's Supper, it's, uh, it's a glorious picture of the single thread of God's relationship with his people. Um, and you'll see that through promise and fulfillment, and you'll see that through justice and mercy, and you'll see that through judgment and salvation. So as we go through this, I want you to focus on a few themes, if you can. So if you're taking notes, write these down. Focus on a consistent, unchangeable God. Focus on a God that, as a judge who justly punishes the guilty, who don't recognize him as God. Focus on God's perfect plan for human redemption and focus as God as a redeemer who lavishes love and grace on his chosen people. So we're going to start, um, where else, with Jesus' words when he instituted the Lord's Supper. Luke chapter 22, verses 14 through 20. And when the hour came, Jesus reclined at table and the apostles with him, and he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. 
For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, The cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. So four things I'm going to focus on on today's message. That the Last Supper is remembrance of Passover and the Old Covenant. And we're going to focus on the significance of the body of Christ and the significance of the blood of Christ and the New Covenant. It's the third thing. And then we're going to focus on how it looks ahead to the second coming of Christ. So first, the remembrance of Passover. Verse 15 of our text, Jesus says, I've earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. He, it was special to Jesus. Like He really wanted uh, to celebrate with the disciples. So I think we need to understand. I, I mean, I've heard of Passover, but... And, and, and you know it's a celebration and a festival and a meal, but you don't really understand. Um, at least that's how I was. Um, so to really more fully understand communion and the Lord's Supper, we have to more fully understand Passover. I'm sure that's not grammatically correct, but we do. So what is Passover? Um, let's look together at Exodus 12. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read a lot through Exodus 12. So That's really the institution of the Passover meal. And as a background of this, so before you start reading, as a background of this, the kingdom of Israel, God's chosen people had been enslaved for 400 years in Egypt. And God chose Moses to lead them out, right? And they plead with Pharaoh. Um, and the, you know, Pharaoh and Egyptians clearly didn't worship God as Yahweh as God. But Pharaoh kept saying no. Um, you guys have probably seen the cartoon movie. Um, or have been in the Bridge Kids where we talk about it. Um, and God, God sent nine plagues on Egypt, and still Pharaoh would not relent. So he sent frogs and hail and boils, um, nasty stuff, locusts, uh, but still Pharaoh would not relent. And so God tells Moses he's going to send a tenth plague, where the firstborn of every family, and that's humans, that's animals, the firstborn of every family in Egypt, would be slain. And that's where we pick up in chapter 12. So the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for the lamb, and he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons. According to what each can eat, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of this month, when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. Then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the flesh that night, roasted on fire, with unleavened breads and bitter herbs they shall eat it. Do not eat any of it in raw or boiled water, 
but roasted its head with its legs and its inner parts. And you shall let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning you shall burn. In this manner you shall eat it with your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the lands of Egypt, both man and beast, and on all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. This day shall be a memorial day, and you shall keep it as a feast of the Lord throughout your generations, as a statute forever. You shall keep it as a feast. That's a mouthful. I understand that's a lot, that's a lot, of, a lot of reading, but, but bear with me. It's really important to understand. Um, so God's going to deliver a judgment on the wicked and deserving, um, really those who worship any other gods. And, but God, God says he provides a way. He provides a way uh, to save his people from judgment. And that way is by sacrificing a lamb without blemish. So an innocent, perfect lamb. And the blood is spread over the door as, a, as an outward sign of that obedience so that God's judgment actually just passes over those houses and passes over those families. So what I, I want to tell you is that that lamb is, was sacrificed as a substitute for judgment. So now, how do we know that? What makes that sacrifice a substitute? How can we say that that lamb for those families was sacrificed as opposed to God pressing judgment on those people, on his people? I think the way we can see this is because even the Israelites were guilty of putting other gods before Yahweh. Um, I think we all can say we're guilty of that at times. Um, so you can say that that they also suffered from that, and you can read that in, in Exodus and, and in Genesis. And the other thing I want to show you is that like, it's God, right? He can distinguish between his people and the Egyptians. Like, he doesn't need a sign to do that. So, so, so why require them to make a mark over the door? Um, I submit that it's an, as an act of obedience for a substitutionary death. So, we move further on into Exodus. Um, we see that after the plague passes, God delivers his people from Egypt, and they wander in the desert, and I'm going to be sweeping over wide swaths of the, gospel, of the Bible now, so just bear with me. Um, during that time in the desert, God gives his law to Moses. So it's Ten Commandments and other laws, um, and he makes a conditional covenant with the people of Israel. So this is, this is really important, because Jesus talks about it in the Last Supper uh, of a new covenant. So in order to understand the new covenant, we have to understand this old covenant, um, this Mosaic covenant that we'll talk about. So it's really, really important. Again, that's why we're going into so much detail. Um, so what's a, what is a covenant? Right, so if some of you are new to the church or what have you, I, I still have to look it up every single time. A covenant is is a bond in blood. It's like a really, really, really serious contract. I like to say, um, 
and really what we're focused on here is, is, is a bond, a contract between God and man. Um, and you'll see that in, in Scripture, there's unconditional covenants where God will just promise things. Um, and then there's conditional covenants where God will, will promise, but he requires man to act. He requires something, uh, you know, it's, it's a contract. It's a bilateral contract. So the conditional covenant would be like if we had, if you were in your lease um, and you decided to stop paying your lease, um, well, that was something that you were required to do for the lease and the landlord would then be able to kick you out. Um, so because this is a covenant, a bond in blood, a really, really, really serious contract, um, the, 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 the consequences of that a failure to hold up your end of the contract are dire. Um, it requires the shedding of blood. It requires death. It's a bond in blood, so it requires the shedding of blood. <clears throat> so in Exodus 24, and I don't have it up here, um, but it's, uh, you know, I encourage you to read it um, after service. Um, but the people of Israel verbally agreed to this covenant, that they would be obedient to all the law, and then Moses and the elders, they sacrificed animals, and they threw the blood on the altar, and they threw the blood on, on the people of the sacrifice. Um, they sacrificed animals. They threw the blood of the, of the animals they sacrificed on the altar and on the people uh, to ratify or basically sign that agreement, essentially. It's entering into that agreement. So every, the, the kingdom of Israel entered into that agreement willingly. And they, they, that, you know, their, their part of the agreement had to be that they had to obey the law, um, follow, worship God, obey the law that he gave, um, and then God would, would set his people apart. He'd set the kingdom of Israel apart as priests. He would give them protect, protection. He would give them provision. Um, how great would it be just to, and, and we are, and we'll talk about it, but just as the counterparty to your contract to be God, you know, like so faithful, you know, never changing, always fulfills his promises. Praise God. Um, but unfortunately, the other side of that is man. And, 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 and we can't hold up to that. And you saw that the kingdom of Israel couldn't hold up to that. So when you read through Exodus and you read through Leviticus, you saw, you know, Moses was talking to God and there were more, more laws and, and more uh, sacrifices that had to be made and instituted. It was a whole system of sin and sacrifice in order to cover the sins of the people. Um, so, that's, that's the context that Jesus is having this Last Supper meal in, right? Like, they're still in the Old Covenant. Um, they're still under this, this, this system of sacrifice, um, and frankly, they're, they're still they're, they're celebrating the Passover, and you know Jesus is earnestly excited to do that with his disciples. So let's look at what Jesus does at that point. So that's all the big context. That's, that's, what, that's what the meal was remembering, all of that. So let's look at what Jesus does. Um, I want to look at verse 19 of Luke 22. So we're skipping ahead a little bit, but Jesus takes bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to him, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. 
Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus was saying that your whole life you've been celebrating this Passover, remembering uh, God's salvation of his people from judgment. And you were also doing this so you could recognize me when I came. I am the fulfillment of God's promises. I am the ultimate Passover lamb without blemish. He says, my body which is given for you. So let's think about just that phrase. I tend to focus, and, and for good reason, because you know, we'll get to it in a second about how um, you know, an atoning death had to be made for the sins of people. Um, but let's focus on the life of Jesus. Let's focus on the body for a second. Before you have a lamb without blemish, you have to have a lamb, right? So it has to be born, has to be raised, has to be cared for, has to be not eaten by wolves. Um, it's not just the death of the body, but it was the fact that, the, that Jesus came at all. God humbled himself to take on flesh. Let's read Philippians chapter 2, verse 6 through 8. Paul is explaining that Christ Jesus, though he was in the form of God, did not, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. This world is an unjust world. Um, it is a sinful, fallen world, and God knew that, and he sent his son. He, sent him, he came down. He put on flesh and came down, and that is a miracle. We should be in awe of that every day. So when we think about the body, let's be in awe of that. Um, I just, I can't stress it enough that not only was he, he came down to take on flesh, but then he was sinless. So he lived his life and was tempted by things which tempt us. And Jesus isn't tempted like we are, but he, he has opportunities to sin, every opportunity to sin, and he didn't. And that's really important. He couldn't, but he didn't. That's amazing. So why is that so important? He had to be sinless to be accepted as a sacrifice. Jesus was the great high priest in this scenario. But before when they were, when, uh, when you know, the, uh, the kingdom of Israel was under the old covenant, um, there was a high priest that would have to go into the most holy place and would have to sacrifice once a year in the Day of Atonement. Um, and Jesus came as the great high priest. And he was the holy place. He was the temple. Um, because he was God. So, reading Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11. When Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands of his, not of this creation. That's what, that's what Jesus, Jesus was. So, he wasn't only 
uh, you know, his body was the most holy place where that sacrifice would happen. So, you know, this is all kind of rolling into a big crescendo, which we'll see in a second. Um, and what I love about that is that that's what Jesus is saying is given to you. God put on flesh and lived in an unjust, broken world, and he died for you. So if you, if you hear nothing in this sermon and um, hear that, God came down from heaven and died for you. Skip into verse 20. Um, we look at the significance of the blood. So after the bread was passed around and taken, Jesus uh, took the cup and said, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant of my blood. So we see that Jesus came to fulfill the old covenant, the Mosaic covenant, as the perfect sacrifice, a once and for all substitutionary sacrifice with his own blood. But yet he goes a step further and establishes a new covenant with us between God and man, which also includes Gentiles now, um, which Hebrews tells us it secures an eternal redemption for those that believe. And that's amazing news. Um, so, you know, the Lord's Supper in this case is, is a covenantal meal. Like when Jesus enters into this, he's entering into a new covenant and he's with us and he's breaking bread and drinking drink uh, to enter, you know, to solidify that covenant. It is a covenantal meal. So it is very, very important. Um, it's spiritual. Hebrews 9, chapter 9, verse 15, and then I'm going to do uh, verse 27 and 28. So therefore, he is the mediator of a new covenant so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. So the, Abraham, the, the uh, Mosaic covenant. And then, chapter, then verse 27 and 28. And just as it is appointed for man to die once and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly awaiting for him. So that's that new covenant, covenant, and we'll, we'll, we'll see how that points to the future. But, you know, we believe in Christ as a Savior. He freely gives his blemishless body and blood for fulfillment of the old covenant, uh, for the punishment we deserve. And, and that is a, that's a once and for all uh, sacrifice. He takes our punishment, and we get his righteousness and the ability to commune with God. We get the ability to, to be with God. That's amazing. That, that, that wouldn't happen in the Mosaic Covenant except in the most, most, highly place, most uh, holy place. But, but we get that in the New Covenant. And then in addition, Jesus promises that he's going to appear again for fulfillment of his kingdom, ultimately for final deliverance. And that's the fourth point we want to look at in the, in the supper, which is that it, he, Jesus is looking ahead to, the, to his second coming. So at Luke 22, 16 through 18, he says, For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, 
I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. So Jesus, he's saying, remember the Passover, remember the old covenant, I've come to fulfill that. And I'm coming to point, point ahead, point to the ultimate fulfillment of this kingdom and the fulfillment of that new covenant when, when Christ returns. And this, like, this is the believer's great hope. Like, we approach the table of communion, and sometimes we approach it uh, feeling like, man, we messed up this week. Um, you know, we're looking in our hearts and saying, you know, we've sinned. And, and that's, that's the truth, right? I mean, that's, and we should repent and, and leave that at the altar and, and approach, approach the body and blood of Christ with that great hope of what comes next. Like, that is, that's secure. The kingdom of God will be restored upon the second coming of Christ. Like, amen. Every tear will be wiped away. Everything will be restored. Justice will be served. Um, if you're feeling down about the world, which it's easy to do, right? Um, if people are letting you down or if you're just disillusioned uh, with the injustice that you see around you, um, disillusioned with the injustice in our country or in the world, um, maybe just in, in your lives, our great hope is in Jesus' second coming that there is no more injustice, that um, everything is fulfilled and, and will be how it should be. Everything is restored. Praise God. The same way the Jewish people were to celebrate Passover and anticipate the Messiah, that's how we're to celebrate the Lord's Supper in anticipation of that second coming. So, you know, we've covered how Jesus came as the perfect Passover lamb given for us to fulfill the death we deserve under the old covenant and to establish the new covenant which we look forward to. So, how should we respond during communion? Um, and I've got some, some takeaways to respond, and this isn't, this isn't everything, but uh, this, is, this is a start. First of all, give thanks. We see Jesus, when he broke bread, he gave thanks. So, give thanks. Um, and then remember, God, Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. Remember God's faithfulness and his plan from Passover to the fulfillment of the Old Covenant to today and beyond. Be in awe as an act of worship. This is an act of worship. Be in awe. Acknowledge and give glory to God. Third, come to the table prepared. Examine yourself. Um, and, you know, 1 Corinthians goes into this more, and I'm happy to talk to anybody after this but, um, about that, but I didn't have time today to get into it, but... Examine yourself and repent of any sins. But what I want you to approach the table at, if you believe ardently, approach in humble confidence. 
and faith, knowing that Christ died once and for all. He's the perfect lamb. There's nothing else you need to do. That was the grace that was freely given. What I love about that, too, is that if we all really examine ourselves, we approach the table the same way. It doesn't matter if we're, um, I don't know, been a Christian for 40 years or if you uh, have just, just started believing last week. You approach the table the same as a, as a sinful person in need of a Savior. It puts everybody at the same level. That's a beautiful picture. It doesn't matter, um, so, you know, socioeconomic picture, socioeconomically, racial divides, everybody is the same in the body of Christ. That's a beautiful picture. So fourth, it's just that, that it is a participation in the body and blood of the Lord. So when you approach, you are participating in that. Um, like, praise God that we get to participate in that. Um, if you receive communion, you're identifying with Christ. You're identifying with the body. You're identifying with the blood. You're standing up and saying, I believe. You're painting the lintel and the doorpost. Um, you're putting that faith in Christ. In, in essence, you're reaffirming the covenant that he offered, the new covenant. You're reaffirming that every time you step up to the table. And then look forward. Um, be encouraged by the kingdom to come. Be inspired by the justice of God. And that'll create within us uh, lives with urgency. You know, one thing we didn't go over in the Passover instructions was, you know, he. The, the, the bread was to be unleavened, and the sandals were to be, the belt was to be fastened, and the sandals were to be tied because, because they had to leave right then. It was a, an immediate, they had to be ready to, it, for action. And that's the exact same way we should approach the Lord's table, Lord's Supper, because we have to be ready. We don't know when the second coming of Christ is. We have precious little time here. So let's tighten our belts and Put on our sandals. Live with urgency. It's great. And then finally, see this as an invitation for those that, that don't believe yet or are unsure. Um, if you've not yet put your faith in Christ, if you can't yet raise your hand and participate in the body and blood of Christ um, in that covenant, See the picture of the Lord's Supper as a representation of God's great love for you. I'm going to end with a, a quote from Spurgeon. Uh, Charles Spurgeon, a famous theologian. We quote him often because he's just so good, and, and a, lot of his, uh, a lot of his texts are out there to quote. Um, he says, never mind that bread and wine unless you can use them as folks often use their spectacles. What do they use them for? To look at? 
know to look through them. So use the bread and wine as a pair of spectacles. Look through them and do not be satisfied until you can say, yes, yes, I can see the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. We're going to enter um, into a celebration of communion now, um, and there'll be people um, on the sides with bread and with wine. And uh, when you're prepared, um, the music will start, and you can come up and tear off a piece of bread and dip it in the cup. Um, Let me pray for that. We'll get started. Almighty God, we are awed by you, Father. You are the creator, the just judge, the restorer, the redeemer. Father, we praise you for who you are. We praise you for being in control. God, we thank you for our daily provision. And we thank you for Jesus Christ who came as that substitution that we so direly needed. God, we thank you for the new covenant and how you've allowed us to to graft into that. Father, just prepare our hearts. Help prepare our minds. Help us confess sin And approach the table with a humble confidence, knowing that Christ died for our sins, knowing that it's it's finished. And Father, help us approach the table remembering and being encouraged by what is to come. God, and help us leave the table with a sense of urgency, Father, you are good, and we love you. In your almighty name I pray, amen. Mm -hmm.